Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, uh, we live in a world of color, right? We do. Yeah. Yes. But once upon a time, I mean, the world's always been in color. <laughs> oh, where are you going As far that? as I once know. Once upon a time, there was no color. This is before the dinosaurs. <laughs> Maybe not. Who knows? You know, we weren't there. Yeah. But, you know, some of the way we, you know, consume media wasn't in Yes. Color. Uh, you know, we didn't Black have and color white TV. photography for a while. Uh-huh. Didn't have yep. color TV for a while. Yep. Color film. Yep. Which, by the way, Wizard of Oz was not the first color film. A lot of people think that. Oh, well, it was. was. Not. Uh, it was actually, oh, I cannot remember the name of the movie now, but it was something like, the first U.S. one at least was like 1917. So oh, geez. 20, 20 years or so before with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's just Wizard of Oz gets credit because it used it in such a dynamic yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, some yeah. of the originals were like coloring in like the, the <laughs> cells of, like with like stencils. Can you imagine that? Yeah. yeah. This or is pre Walt Disney. Two projectors too. to like use different color filters uh-huh. and stuff. Okay. It's gotcha. fascinating. I did a gotcha. lot of reading about it today. Yeah. I was That's kind of cool. Yeah, anyway, but we're all color now. We're all color now. Well, yeah. except, except for some reason, some people don't feel the need that labels need to be color. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's still a lot of black and white labeling mm-hmm. out there in the mm-hmm. world. And okay, I get it. It has its place in some places. Mm-hmm. But color is also extremely important. And we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. Yep. We're going to dive into the world of color labeling. We have Andy Schertz from Epson with us today. Yep. He's going to help us talk a little bit about why, obviously, color labeling is better than black and white, which should be obvious, but I'm, I bet he oh, has no, some we got some. Yeah, yeah, we got some good stuff uh, here. We'll talk about some of the industries that are leading the way with this and places, industries that should be using color labeling mm-hmm, and why. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about some of the objections and myths about it, so we're kind of helping you, our, mm-hmm. our audience, to understand, hey, here's how you can push back yep, against people. Overcome say, some of those. That, yep, right? yep. Uh, and, and, of course, you'll also help us a little bit about how resellers can start that conversation with their customers, there too. There you go. That's a colorful so, world, man. That's that's right. That's a good tagline right there, buddy. <laughs> Uh, it is time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned today, our guest, Andy Schertz from Epson. He is a senior product manager. Uh, Andy, welcome to the show. We appreciate having you on today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you ended up where you are, and and maybe what you do day to day. Yeah, hi. So I'm Andy Schertz. Uh, I'm a product manager for Epson, and I have been basically in the labeling business now for approximately 25-ish sometimes years, maybe a little more than that. I'm I'm losing track as time moves on. And I started my career in industrial labeling selling the traditional black and white thermal transfer technology. I understood all the ins and outs of that industry and pioneered all kinds of stuff. But in my thinking, and something that I said even long, long ago as a uh, worker in the field was, I think that the printing will all eventually go to color. And actually, I even said inkjet. And so about nine years ago, I had a chance to come to Epson. And that's basically the endeavor they were pioneering. And I you know, I signed up eagerly as an advocate for this technology. And so now I've been basically for the last nine years managing Epson's version of color, which is basically doing the same thing I did it uh, before in black and white, only trying to do it in color. And so I'm a real passionate uh, long-term champion in this field. 
It's yeah. awesome. Sounds like Epson hired the right person at the right time. There. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's been such a need for it. And, oh, yeah. But it's interesting to see how color has transpired through, I'll just say paper products. I right, mean, because right. I came out of way long time ago. I was in the copier industry. It was all black and white. But then, you know, copiers started to get into color because the price started came in, coming down and stuff like yep, that. But anyway. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then let's let's start with the, the basic question here, yes. which is, why is color labeling better than black and white? Maybe beyond the obvious, but tell us some of the obvious reasons, too, because I don't Maybe people just don't think yeah, we got to arm some people here, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. So first off, you know, what I try to point out is that uh, color opens up in, increased communicating power, right? So I remember very, very primitive. Okay, it was a loading dock. They were talking about our monochrome printers, and they said, "Andy, is there any way? You know, we're trying to get in touch with the customer. Is there any way to make this one number jump? Because this is the most important number." If this number gets messed up, people don't realize this ends up on this truck or doesn't end up on that truck. It's the biggest thing. Is there a way to make it jump? And well, really, you know, uh, the only thing you have to do with a monochrome printer is either make it the font bigger, which means everything else shrinks, uh, or make the font bold, and then you're out of ammo. That's those are your only two options. And so, you know, the net of it was they had used up all the real estate of the label, and basically the answer was no. But I realized what they're really looking for was color. And of course, at the time I represented a monochrome only company, so color wasn't an option. But because I'm always keeping an eye on the industry, I realized what they really need is that number needs to be in red. That's everything about their shipment, right? And this is what color does. So sometimes people think of color as something glorious, like a picture of Mount Fuji or a Bahamas vacation, but they don't realize as simple as it can be, everything going UPS is red, everything going FedEx is blue, something like this helps me make sure I don't uh, end up items on the wrong palette. This is the value, you know, maybe food allergens, right? What, you know, peanuts needs to be on red on that label or something like that. So it's the power of communicating that really opens up doors and makes color exciting. I would agree with that. And we can we can throw in some old school studies, you know, because there's been a lot of studies around the effectiveness of color. I'm going to maybe extrapolate one of them out of here that's, you know, we come out of the marketing world, advertising world. Ads in color are read up to 42% more often than same ads in black and white. I mean, again, I know the industry, the marketing industry has done a ton of of studies and, and just look to the effectiveness of color over black and white just mm -hmm. because, yeah, we're humans. We have visual color, visual sensors, and you can do a lot more. So you can unlock a lot more potential in what you're trying to communicate just through the use of color. And oh, by the way, more people are going to, going to read whatever it is, the label or whatnot, just yep. because it has more color. Yep. I, I have found even just doing that in a simple email sometimes. Yeah. Like if I'm sending out an email to a bunch of people and there's certain things I want them to notice, like I might, if there's certain things I'm saying, okay, if someone's skimming, these are the stuff I want them to pay attention to. I might bold some of those mm -hmm, things. Mm -hmm. But if there's one or two points that I'm really like, listen, if you get nothing else out of this email while you're looking through it, I want you to have seen these two things. That's the thing I might blow up in red, you know, mm -hmm. bold it and make it red just so I know that it's popping off there a little bit and that you can't help but see that. If, if you're just looking at that on your screen and you're skimming through it and thinking, I'm going to delete this, that hopefully pops out at you. And so, yeah, to Andy's point, something as simple as that, even just for, you know, basic text can have a huge difference, I think. So. Yeah, but I like where Andy was going because, I mean, think of it contextually. When you're when you're dealing with a warehouse environment or something like that where there are some business critical 
bits of information and that can be conveyed so too, yeah, yeah, through color. I mean, you are really, really amping it up and, and you're helping the workers that then have to execute whatever it is you're trying to do. I mean, that's back of house. I'm sure we'll get in front of house too right. on labeling and stuff like that, but it really can have an impact. Right. Yeah. Well then, Andy, let's let's get into the, some of these industries then. You, you've kind of already hinted that, you know, distribution, warehousing being one place you can do this, but tell us about some of the other industries where there's been a, a real strong call, maybe leading the charge for color labeling, maybe some others that, you know, aren't quite there yet, but should be, and why you think that is. Okay, so one of the biggest drivers right now also is uh, pictures, right? So if I take a picture of something, it's going to show you what it is so much more than if I tell you, okay? So if I say, well, this is a pipe flange, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this, and I write this big old long description, well, if your brain takes time and slowly works through it all, it's going to figure out what you're describing, or I just show you a picture and you go, oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. <laughs> so it has become common now to put a picture of what's inside that box, whether that's a plumbing fixture, a doorknob, a hinge, a bolt. Okay. Again, even think about something like a screw. I say it's a two and a half inch, one inch smooth shank, Phillips head, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But I could just put a picture of the screw on the box. And I go, yeah, that's that looks right. Okay. So people have started to put pictures on the labels of just about uh, an entire array of things. Okay. This can be hardware. This is medical device, right? I'm in an operating room and I need the number two uh, shunt, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a doctor, but I can just still more easily find it with a photograph than I can with uh, a textual description. Okay. Uh, and so this is a big area for shoes. Okay. So again, I want the super sport with the, you know, silver swoosh and the black back and the low top. I can read those words, right? I could literally write those words. This is a silver swoosh, low top, blah, blah, blah. But I bet you, I go into the store. They have the shoe I need sitting right in front of my face. I do not find it. But if there's a picture on it, I can find it. So we call it just picture on a label because that is just in across the spectrum, that's becoming a huge uh, application space for us. Oh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I've experienced it myself as a consumer, mm -hmm. right? I, I can't, the last time I've gotten several products in, absolutely, the smart ones are using pictures. And I'm with you, Andy. It's so much easier when there's a picture of whatever I'm trying to put together or whatever it is that I need to get or should be in the box, way better than even an icon. Oh, you four yep. screws with an icon of a screw. Well, does it look like that screw? Right, no, right. it doesn't look like that screw at all. Um, so there's a there's a lot there. So I, I think obviously on the product or on the manufacturing side, uh, we're seeing a lot of that. But that's really interesting that you went down the picture path, Andy, and, and that you're seeing a lot of growth there. When you think about you know our society, right? Of course, millennials grew up on mm -hmm. pictures, and mm -hmm. it's so much more a part of their communication. Just period. You yeah, know, that's the yeah. way that they com communicate. I mean, when you think about Snapchat and all the things that they've well, been let's utilizing. Be honest, like, you know, young people can can have an entire conversation of nothing but emojis. Uh, of course. And understand everything yes. that's being spoken about. Yes. There. Absolutely. Rest of us are sitting there typing everything out, and yeah. they're just like, duh, 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 there you go. Or they just they just send pictures of facial expressions yeah, yeah, of themselves. Exactly. Right. You know, so they're very much a visual society that we're becoming. So, geez, you're hitting the nail on the head there, and I can see why you're seeing a lot of growth in that space because, yeah, it's a lot more intuitive to be able to see visually what it is that 
whatever. The manufacturer is trying to communicate to me. The food uh, entity is trying to communicate to me and connect those dots. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. You know, I liked also that you mentioned healthcare because you want to talk about an industry where everything is mission critical. You know, right. I mean, you mess up something in the operator room. You mess up something even just at the bedside as a nurse, and you could end up harming or killing a patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I remember back from my publishing days for a while. I, I one of the the books that we sold into education was for dosage calculation. Very critical skill for nurses to yeah. know to give the right dose of of a particular drug or something to somebody because if you mess that up again, potential up to death you know mm-hmm. injuries could happen there. So even something as simple as that, we're making sure like, hey, the label clearly, very vividly in a bright color shows you what the exact dosage amount is supposed to be or what the exact product is, or maybe has some kind of signifier indicating that there's a potential allergen in there for, you know, like my mom's allergic to penicillin, for instance. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I would hope that anything that's got penicillin in it in some way is very clearly labeled where they can see that, and not just the tiny little word penicillin included, but maybe something big, bright, colorful note to, to, to see that. Yeah. Um, well, Andy, let's talk about food production, um, because this is one where I feel like there's uh, a lot of growth happening here around uh, color labeling that's emblematic a little bit of, of kind of the consumer trend of, of wanting more information. Tell us a little bit more about how color labeling fits in there. Well, okay. So again, you know, uh, food has a whole bunch of components to it. Okay. So one of them is uh, branding. Okay. So, uh, you know, you have, for example, you know, I mean, I'm of the age when a gas station actually sold gas and fixed cars, but now they're actually uh, oftentimes convenience stores. Okay. And they become a place to, while you're getting gas, get a snack or lunch or something like this. Okay. Well, you know, if they're going to have uh, packaged foods in there, maybe sandwiches or, you know, a, a yogurt parfaits or something like that, they don't want you buying a yogurt parfait. They want you to buy their Andy shirts yogurt parfait because I want you basically to come back to me. I want to build a brand connection with my customers so that you want to come back to my stuff, right? Uh, you know, McDonald's isn't happy just when you eat a burger. They want you to eat a McDonald's burger, right? But how are all these people going to make colorful, impactful, like, you know, almost like consumer packaged good labels without something way to print that, right? So this is one of the applications that's been strong for us is people say, I can make my fresh food in-store offerings more appealing, more branded, right? But of course, this becomes tricky because there's lots of stuff that has to go on there like, uh, you know, when was this thing made? You know, is this, is this a sandwich three days old, five weeks old, or two hours old? I want to have a, a date code on there. And I, by the way, have to put ingredients on there. And if I have to change any of the ingredients, I got to modify these labels. So I need a way that I could kind of do this quickly on the fly. And this sort of bespeaks that... Uh, you know, because a lot of this stuff is made right there in a small kitchen and things, I have to have a way to dynamically produce that labeling there. So that sort of fresh food production now is a big area for us emerging. And by the way, this same thing is happening in uh, grocery stores. It used to be the grocery store would predominantly provide packaged consumer goods, but now one of their most profitable segments is actually now making fruit cups and, and pasta dishes and all these things. And all that needs a good quality label like that, right? And you know, so you want this stuff to look appealing, right? Again, food is something that if the label sort of conveys it's old, it's dirty, it's not clear, whatever, you know, the label is part of your perception of that product. I mean, technically speaking, the label is just a label, but the truth is, and there's lots of studies that will show the quality, the look of that label gives you a mental idea of what the quality of that product is. So if this stuff is labeled poorly, 
it reflects poorly on that store's image like that. So people are looking towards the ability to put color on these labels to make it, uh, you know, and branding to make it really stand out and 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 drive attention like that. So that's a big area for us too right now. Agreed. I mean, when you think about it, we've experienced that as you go to the grocery store and you pick up a salad. The smart grocers have colored labels on it because they're aware of the branding. They're aware of the customer experience that is around that. If you pick up one that's just got a simple black and white barcode on it or whatnot, it's like, mm -hmm. I'm. I, look, I know I'm in the industry, but I'm becoming more and more sensitive to even that. Mm -hmm. You know, what does the label look like? What is the overall customer experience or the visual aesthetic, you know, looking like here? Uh, and what is it trying to communicate? I also say that restaurants are really starting to pick up on that, too, because we, we, we talked about in some of our podcasts here a little bit ago then you know what restaurants are now doing is kind of honing that whole experience right we're kind of we're in this pandemic okay it was a shock to the system early on but now we've got systems in place labeling is one of those things probably that they're going to start looking at like what do my carryouts look like when they're going right. out the door right. am i just slapping on some scotch tape to to close the bag right. or is there a color label that goes on there that's got my branded logo on it and, and you know it's improving the overall experience or at least giving comfort like where andy was going that hey this is safe clean it was meant to be kind of a thing and we've given some thoughts of the even the packaging that we're delivering to your house you know groceries are going to do the same they're doing the same thing because you know yeah you go in and get a, a salad you want it to be presented very well so not only does it have that aesthetic feel uh, right and, and the importance there but also if you're leveraging the color you can do certain things with it as well right. uh, to enhance the brand enhance the communication that you're trying to get out there really important stuff yeah, definitely you know i referenced on a podcast we did maybe four or five episodes ago the, one of the last ones I did with James Cordy where we were talking about creating customer demand. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned in my previous uh, role before coming to Blue Star, I worked for a food service equipment and supplies right company. Right-o, yes. And we had this whole five visual, five elements of visual merchandising thing that we used as part of our go-to of, hey, here's why we recommend using this maybe higher level and higher priced items mm -hmm. to fill out your buffet station or your refrigerated cabinet because there was research behind it that indicated that people's attention was drawn to something based on these certain elements. Now, two of those elements were communication and color. Yep, there you go. And when you combine those two together, that's color labeling right mm -hmm. there. And a big part of it was this idea that, hey, like, let's say, again, yeah, you've got a refrigerated cabinet in a in a convenience store or in a supermarket or something, and you're filling it up with your locally made, locally sourced Which is a huge trend right now. salads, yeah. yeah, you know, whatever it is. If it's just a sterile box, a plastic box with a label slapped on it that just says salad and a price... <laughs> People look at that Tom's and get, they don't know what that means. They look at that and say, "This has this salad been sitting here for six days? Yeah, I don't right. know. Yeah. But a little bit of color, a little bit of extra information, a little bit of branding that pops out of it that indicates maybe like, hey, this came from Sunnyside Farms down the road, sourced from there, uh, made fresh today, and that stamp you know, date pops out at you or something, the time pops out at you. So much can be can be communicated so easily. And even just that the color alone if someone's walking by from a distance and looks over at mm -hmm. that, you know, mm -hmm. that refrigerated area yep. and sees those colors popping off because it's displayed and looking yeah, at more it. More appeal there. You're, you're drawn to it immediately. You're stopped. You're drawn to it. Or even just out of the corner of your eye, you at least take it in. 
More than you would just a static black and white label. Right. And as a solution integrator, you know, you need to be aware of that, that the, these are the pressures that are happening in the marketplace yep. and have to be able to have a solution so that you can walk into that, you know, whatever, that vegetable market that's on the corner of, of the street that's really doesn't have a lot of sophistication around some of those things. But there's opportunities yep. there, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, then let's let's talk about some of these, the objections. So, yeah. you know, you're going to, I'm sure, encounter some customers that say, ah, I don't know that we need to do this. Black and white's working just fine for us. We're not seeing any particular issues with it. Or maybe some myths around color printing. I, you kind of mentioned it up top that I think most people think that anything that's printed in color has got to cost more. Cost. Mm -hmm. Once upon a time, we all were printing at home, which who even does that anymore? But, you know, <laughs> if you were printing at home or in your office and you were using inkjet color printers, yeah. that color ran out like, you know, yeah, right. in, in no time. It was expensive to refill that stuff. Yeah. I don't feel like that's necessarily the case anymore. So, you know, let's talk about that uh, as well as, you know, overproduction, waste, uh, demand versus, you know, yeah. pre-printing. How do you overcome those objections? So the first thing that we talk about is our Wizard of the Oz story, right? You know, and uh, it turned out that in very primitive ways, color existed in film for a long time, okay? But when did it finally become to where you could sort of commercially break it out, okay? And I think this is what you see with color labeling too. You know, there's been color printers for quite a while and people have some measure of experience with it. They have it at home and when their kids did a project, they went bankrupt buying ink cartridges and all that kind of stuff. And if that's only your only perception, you don't realize how far it's really come now to where all the printers, you know, they have big ink tanks. The ink is actually priced radically cheaper than it was in the yesteryear for those home offices. And the printers themselves are purpose built for industrial use. So this is not a $49 printer that you bought at the local computer store that probably is good for a few hundred pages and don't put any label stock in there because it'll jam to a machine that's really made to print millions of labels cost efficiently, right? So the technology made a huge leap there. And I think some people don't realize how far it's come, right? So they, they've made an early perception and they don't realize where the state of the art here is, okay? The second thing, though, that uh, that I like to point out to people, though, is that I like to help them change their view of the situation here. And that is that the traditional person who will be a defender of the black and white label will say, this is the cheapest possible way to label the, the, the item. OK, so let's even say I'm only slightly more expensive. OK, uh, let's take that argument. I'm the cheapest. OK. Yes, but let's think about you accidentally ship the blue box to the red customer, whatever that is, you know, it, it you know, because you had a sorting, your, the item, the wedding dress that was supposed to go to Kentucky uh, accidentally got shipped off to uh, Massachusetts. What's the cost of that error? Okay, you've got an upset customer here. You've got to get this dress back. You've got a buyer. I mean, th this thing is costing you a lot of money. Right, it's well more than let's say I said that the the color was a, a 0.1 cent more, you know, or something like this. But the cost of the error is huge. What's the cost when the guy goes in the shoe store, cannot find the shoe, and leaves? Okay, that's a whole lot of sale. All right, or the home improvement store. You know, I I I'm, I I need I'm doing a plumbing project. I got a thing broke down at home. I can't find it. I go into your store. You don't have it. Actually, you did have it, but I couldn't find it, and I leave, and I'm upset. You've got upset customer. The cost of this is huge, right? So the idea is that 
look at the upside advantage. How can you grow your business? How can you satisfy your customers? This is a more, a more important conversation to have. I think to almost every business owner there, if I said, I can shave you know, this minuscule amount of cost out of your bottom line, or I can grow your top line, which do you prefer? Almost everybody's gonna choose to grow their top line. And I think that's the business advantage of color that I think is, we need to get people focused on that aspect of it when we have this discussion. Yeah, it's that mm -hmm. idea of just-in-time color, right? I, I to borrow a phrase from from Epson there, it, you know, just-in-time color is is a reality today. You know, yes, and I, and I can remember back when I sold copiers twenty five years ago, there there was a real complaint about color. You know, oh yeah, the cost of color is, and it was at that point in time exponentially more mm -hmm. than if you just printed it off in black and white, and so it was really relegated to only those companies that could afford to have that really nice looking whatever presentation that was printed on color but when you when you think about the technology and thanks for uh, illuminating that Andy you know the fact that the technology is now there and yeah it might be incrementally more uh, to do that but the cost and the benefit uh, of just-in-time color far outweighs you know with with yeah. what you, once you have color and then start leveraging it pro properly and just some of the things that we've touched on briefly here and just the visual communication and the fact that it's gonna bring a visual aesthetic to it and really help top line uh, types stuff, it, it starts to fall into the no-brainer category. Right, right. You know, I, I found out when I was doing a little research on Epson's products for, I think we were putting together like an ad for Bon Appetit or something, mm -hmm. and I was reading up on the color work stuff, and, and I came across an article that talked about how there's a lot of companies out there that want to third-party farm out their color printing. Mm -hmm. So let's say they need a bunch of labels right. for a project, yeah. and they're like, hey, we're going to have this third-party company make them. But that company yep. says, hey, we charge you by the sheet and number of labels, and you have to buy this certain well, number of labels. Well, that's the world today. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so let's say they were selling you like, hey, here's we're going to sell you 20 sheets that have 50 labels on them each, but you only actually needed on that last page two of those labels. <laughs> So you wasted that money, and and mind you, that could have been like a one-off project, never going to need it for anything else. Mm -hmm. You have either all these additional labels you'll never need. You paid for that extra sheet mm -hmm. of all this stuff that you will never need and never use again. That's a waste. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you might think one project is that a big deal, but I guarantee you most of these places probably have three, four, five, six, dozens of projects throughout the year where that probably happens, oh. and that all starts adding up, and that's a lot of money you're wasting when you could just do it in-house make the label when you need. Oh, and by the way, if you need to change something, let's say you're halfway through that project and find out we messed up something on these labels that we mm -hmm, now need to fix. Mm -hmm. Are you going to go back to that company and do it all over again mm -hmm. and pay all that money? Or maybe you get some insert in, insight from the from market research and they say, hey, we need to communicate the allergens that are in right. this or something like that, uh, that that you missed or dropped the ball on right. early on. Yeah, when you have more of a just-in-time type of printing, you can, you make can that do that. Pivot, yeah. And oh, by the way, what product manager isn't going to touch their product for several years? Exactly. I mean, come on. That's what, the, that's what they're hired to do is say, oh, okay, I'm going to launch this salad or whatever right, it is right. today. Day, but a year from now, we're probably going to change it up a little bit. Yeah, it's, little it, little tip: those of us in the world of marketing are never satisfied. With never. Marketing. It's, ne it, every, it's the second we release something <laughs> in marketing, we look at it and see sixty things we could have fixed and yeah. changed. Or you, you know the markets, or you're reacting to the marketplace, right, right? Exactly. Oh, hey, wait a minute, we need to change this or change that or something like that. So yeah, it's a just in time type of world, yep. and and now we're talking about just in time type of color solutions as well. So Definitely. really important. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, all right, Andy, go ahead. Just in time, I'd just like to give you a little quick story, which, which is, of course, there's always people that are more advanced thinking. We mm -hmm. have a case study for a craft brew company, right? And they really want to be in touch with their customers. Now, of course, you know, in the old style, non-just-in-time printing, to get any price break, you got to order, you know, a million labels and bulk, and then you got to store it and hope you don't change anything and blah, blah, blah. 
Well, they moved the on-demand color, but then they realized with this much flexibility, forget about just being, you know, we can get hyper-focused. So, for example, let's say that the big t team is playing in the uh, the playoffs or something. Right? They can suddenly start having their beer go uh, Tigers or whatever like that, right? So they, or, you know, hey, the fair is here. They can start making, like, weekly branding, right? It's not even down to we have a winter and a summer or you know, or every three years we update our label, they can literally reach out to the community, you know, on a weekly, even a daily basis like this. And so, you know, this is what, it is a whole new dynamic that, you know, the marketing side of people, okay, traditionally in a company, you have like two opposing enemies. You've got the operations people and then the marketing people. And the operations people need to make everything the same over and over again to be efficient. And the marketing people want to reach their customers. And with the on-demand just-in-time, suddenly these two become no longer enemies. Basically, it could be, hey, can you use this uh, label starting on Monday? Sure, no problem, right? And so it, it really allows sort of this like targeted niche marketing and really touching your customers in a way that just wasn't possible before. That's brilliant. Yeah, we were yeah. just getting off a conversation where we're talking about one of the trends in the world is personalization. I mm -hmm. love the beer analogy there yeah. or the, the brewery. I mean, can you, I can imagine going in to my local brewer and hey, it's not just the whatever, the coffee stout, it's Dean's coffee stout. Right, you know, right. you know, like if I do an online order of whatever a case of it right. and they could rip off some labels and put my name on it. I mean, that's come on. That would be really yeah. cool. Somebody out there should be doing yeah, that, no by doubt. the way. I, Here's John Martin's ale, yeah, that's, you know, awesome. here's your yeah. ale. Even though it's like the same ale that 50 other people are getting at the well, same yeah, time. But, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and it, it can be their brand. It, yeah. it could be their brand, right, but right. like your name's on it or something right. like that, you know, made just for Dean like or something that. like that. I like oh, that. come on. That'd be gold, dude. Yep, and that's adding to your top line sales. I mean, I think that's a that's a really good uh, example there. Andy. Well, this is the last episode of the Technic podcast. Dean and I are going to go start a <laughs> on-demand <laughs> brewery. I went, see ya. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's wrap up then uh, with uh, let's talk a little bit to our resellers and, and how can they approach the it's time to switch to color conversation? What do you recommend if they're going out to their their customers and they, they, they feel like there's a good case for that? They've listened to this and say, hey, I've got some customers that this would definitely make sense for that I know are still, you know, living in the, the black and white stone ages, if you will. How do they start that conversation? So. This is one of the topics that I get excited about because, and I talk to people because I've lived on both sides of the coins. I was, a, you know, in charge. I got sales numbers to make. How do I get a guy who has a black and white printer buy another black and white printer, right? And the question is, will it do anything for me? No. Will it be, you know, is it prettier? No. Is it cheaper? No. What does it do for me? Well, nothing, but it helps me make my commission, right? That's about only, about the only times you're going to upgrade the printers are the old one is so old, they just can't service it anymore or we've expanded and we need a couple extra ones. But the idea of you know, selling them and refreshing or flipping their base is really a tough call. But with the on-demand color, you're actually going in there offering something new. So again, you can say, you can look at their operations. Maybe they are doing color today, but they do it by ordering this in bulk, right? And so they have to buy these gigantic quantities. You're gonna find a room and you're gonna find a room packed full of color labels. And you're gonna say, what is this room? What is this real estate costing you? How often do you have to throw these things away? You know, on demand, you eliminate this room and you just put blank stock in here, right? Or you look at people that are shipping a lot of goods. What's your rate of shipping errors, right? What if we could color code those, you know, and we could cut down your error rate by X, Y, Z, right? The idea is it opens up business discussion. So instead of 
my old printer was a four ips uh, da, 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 da. the new one is 4.2 ips da, 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 da. and you're just not really doing anything for their business you're now suddenly doing something you know hey if you ever want to do private branding a lot of people have been asked you know by their customers can you private brand for me and that's you know the labeling and it's too much to ask but yes i can so the idea is you can have creative and interesting discussions that open up new opportunities right so instead of just upgrade how old your printer you can have these you become almost like a uh you can kind of get into their business a little bit and have something valuable to sell and people will pay for value and that's what i think is exciting is that you're coming in there with something that will do something for your customers help them to grow their top line help them to fundamentally reduce errors or to improve safety to their their clients so you have a value add you're selling and i think that's what makes it exciting i you know i would feel much more excited to sell something of value than just to basically Try to convince them to just do a swap out for the sake of a swap out, and I think right. that's where the exciting opportunity is for people. Man, I, I love I, I love this whole idea of. I mean, this goes to the value. This yep. is this is literally the value and value added reseller. Oh, right? value added reseller, yeah, right? There you exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> and this again reminds me of that pod we did with Cordy, where he talked about this idea of. Your competition isn't necessarily other people trying to get the business. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's the status quo. Oh, yeah. That you inertia. Are fighting, You're yeah, trying you, to break inertia. Right. You yeah. are fighting against what they look at and say, it's worked. It works fine. Why should we change mm -hmm. anything? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that is a great framing to be able to go in and say, hey, I'm not here to try to make you just kick it up to the next level and refresh or upgrade or do something a little bit different so I can earn a few extra bucks off of you. This is about, hey, let's look at your business. Let's look at something that's not working and look what can make a difference for you, your business, your profits, and and see if there's a viable solution to let you turn that corner there. That's a much bigger, stronger, better message to go into somebody than just, hey, um, there's a new version of yeah, that printer right? available. Yeah, 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 do yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. upgrade to the new version? Well, it's like one new feature. That's it. You know, <laughs> and that you don't really need. As yeah. a solution specialist, you kind of like having those conversations. I know I get jacked when I'm. It's like, oh, this is this is new area, right. and this is genuinely going to help my customers customer, whatever, grow their right. business, top line sales. Um, but as we've preached before, just having that business knowledge before you walk in the door, you know, who am I going to go visit? What are they doing currently? Oh, they're using black and white labeling. Okay. Let me think about this about how their business could improve by doing this, by making these switches. And just a, a couple of the things that we've mentioned here, you're going to have a much more genuine conversation that, oh, by the way, is genuinely going to help yep. their business out. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you are a Let's say you work for in retail. Let's say your your world is in retail mm -hmm. or in groceries or something like that. Check out their stores. Yeah. Walk in and just look around and say, is, is stuff drawing my eye? Is the stuff that they that I know that they are really trying to sell, mm -hmm. does it catch my eye if I'm walking past it? If not, there's a great conversation started right there. And not just front of house. Try to get back a house. Because yep. I think where Andy was going re right off the beginning, you know, back in the warehouse and and how things are coming in labeled, even even segmenting, you know, um, uh, items within a warehouse, you know, using color coding and using color to enable that can really add to some efficiencies that are going on back a house too. So there's, there's yep. yeah, there's all kinds of angles that you can play on that. So, yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, before we move on to our last couple segments, uh, I want to, as always, thank uh, the sponsors of the TechConnect podcast, of which uh, Epson is one. So yes. thank you for your support and for lending Andy to us today to talk about this topic. Uh, hey, if you like the show, please, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating review. We would love to hear from you. Uh, any other you know, kind of podcatcher that you use, if there's an ability to rate or like the show, do it there. Uh, if you watch on YouTube, hit the like button, leave us a comment, subscribe to our channel. And hey, if you want 
want to reach out to us, if you have some uh, topics that you'd like for us to discuss, uh, if you have some thoughts and feelings about color labeling yourself, reach out to us. You can find us uh, on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap up with our recurring segments. First of all, the value yep. to the VAR. Uh, you know, we just were mentioning earlier, there's a lot of value to be had there. But one in particular, I want, you know, Andy, this is where we'll give you a chance to talk a little bit about what Epson does in this field. Uh, so how, how do our VAR partners work with Epson and how do you work with them to help them sell these color print solutions? Okay, so we do many different things. So we have, uh, you know, some in some cases we have end user sales reps that are focused on helping you win these major deals, right? So when we get into the enterprise that's looking for a large deployment, we provide specialists to help the VAR community sell that deal. So if you get a big fish on the line, obviously we cannot, you know, maybe you know, bring such a resource to bear to sell one printer at one time, but when you're dealing with one of these major, you know, corporations that's looking to buy multiple units and stuff like that, we're going to provide you the uh, salesman to go on call with you to basically go out there and help close that in and provide that special expertise. Uh, we also try to produce a lot of uh, video and training assets on all aspects of our product so that, uh, you know, we have master's courses that show you how to, you know, do the different parts of the product. We make a lot of YouTube videos, we make unboxing videos and everything like that. So we try to make, you know, sure that the idea is, and when we try to train our VARs, we want people to look for the opportunity of color but don't necessarily have to be, you know, get so worried about uh, delivering it. So the idea of meaning, uh, you know, find where it's needed, okay? And then we can help work with you to get that, that deal placed and everything like that. So, you know, we want to stand by the dealers, you know, with our training, with our assets like this, so that we can actually help deploy that, you know? So we've had, you know, uh, you know many of the, uh, the, the VARs come in and uh, they, they saw the opportunity for color, but, didn't have all the skill set to close it, but then we get in with our direct reps and we kind of help help them get that thing done. Epson knows color. They understand color. They they understand our world really well. Uh, the great product lineup and experts like Andy uh, and others. We've we've talked also to like Josh on the software development side. Uh, they they're just so in tune with what's going on in the marketplace uh, and what's happening again with software developers and what how their hardware relates to it. Uh, really really strong partner to have that vendor relationship yep. that we also yeah, talk about. Yeah, we talk as well. about it all the time of the idea of like you're not by yourself. Nope. You have partners you can reach out to, yep. and this is a great one that you can go in with and say, yep. hey, I'm not just telling you this because I want you to buy some stuff mm -hmm. from me. I'm trying mm -hmm. to sell you something. I'm telling you this because I work with the experts in this kind of stuff that have all the data and research to back it yeah, up. I guarantee they got use you. cases yep. and stuff like that that they can back it up with. No doubt exactly. about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap things up with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting with You? Yep. This is where we get to talk about something in the world of tech, science, innovation that's caught our eye, has our attention, or is making us just think or be <laughs> either excited, terrified, mm. you never know. So, Andy, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting with You? The, the thing that is, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's just the pervasiveness of video now, right now. So it's everything is almost like now, you know, it, it's that progression towards that color spectrum. And maybe that my brain is in this world, but everything now is with video, right? So we're able to do so much stuff with video. I don't even think nowadays, if I go to buy something online, I will buy a product if there's not an associated video with that product right now. And so just the pervasiveness, you know, I mean, I guess I'm of the school that there was a time when just sending video was not so 
easy to do. And now it's it's really becoming mainstream, you know. So uh, just that pervasiveness of video everywhere for everything, you know, it's it's a uh, is something that, you know, maybe it, it, it's it's something that's catching me is is uh, maybe I'm behind the curve, but it seems like that's really just out there new, you know, extremely so. Oh, it's totally I, out I there. Yeah. Uh, agree. I mean, it's it's one of those things, of course, my kids and stuff like that. There, you know, TikTok ruined video, if you ask me, because now everybody, hey, it's, it's pretty pervasive. Tick, okay, yeah, but I, it's like a wormhole you go down. It, oh, it is. Yeah. Come back up for air three hours yep. later, and it's like, where was I? Yep. <laughs> it's fun, but yes, it's very addictive, yes. But, but the point of the matter is, yeah, our society is very video-oriented. And if you can't explain it, oh, by the way, in like 15 seconds, or, or something like that, then yeah, you got to rehone it. But that's really interesting, Andy, because I'm with you. I mean, whenever I go onto Amazon or whatever, even if I'm buying like, what, okay, a packet of screws, I'm expecting to see a video of, oh, the 3D rotation of that right, and, right. and how you're going to use I it. I right, you saying you just want to see a video of somebody screwing it into a wall or something, you what? know, like, I just want to make sure that works properly. Okay, it works. That's a screw. All right. So, you know, there's you're an old good. adage was read the manual. Nobody will say read the manual anymore. It's going to no. be immediately no. go find the video. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. And, you know, I want to see, oh, oh, that's how it works. Right. And, yes. You yeah. know, without a video now, you you can't go nowhere. You know, we, we tried that. We had with some people having concerns about our printer and they said, we're not sure how to unbox a printer and set it up. And we have, of course, we well, we give them a PowerPoint and a user manual, blah, blah. It, it, it didn't help at all. We made a video of it and they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Manuals are nothing more than QR codes <laughs> linking to videos. Those are the most yep. effective manuals. I mean, I any high end product that I've gotten recently, there is no man. The manual is just that. Yeah. It's like, just, oh, here, you need it here. Just yeah. scan this. Or it's and, those extremely simplistic steps yeah. and basically just says, like, hey, yeah. start doing this. And it will. Well, I've seen the ones like, if it's anything that there's an app related to it, like mm -hmm. you get it, like it basically, the instructions are download our app. <laughs> And you're like, okay. And then you do that. And, and like, it's videos. Yeah, and the app is like, here's all the videos to do what you yeah. need to do, you yeah. bumbling moron. You know? so. <laughs> Here, we'll show you how to do it. Oh, man. I, I agree. That's a good one. I like that. All right. All right let's I, got a, I got a spoiler alert for everybody out there because I think a lot of people out there like to work from home who have had the opportunity to work from home, right? Yes. So it's, it's kind of nice. Okay, well, there's some people out there that are going to ruin it for everybody. Oh. Here's the headline. Tech workers are secretly working multiple jobs I at home. This. Yeah. yeah, so let me read you a little excerpt from Wall Street Journal. Alone in their offices, they toggle between laptops. They play Tetris with one, their calendars. They're trying to dodge endless meetings. Sometimes they log on to two meetings at one time. They used to pay, they used to pay time off and some cases unlimited to juggle occasional big projects and ramp up a new gig many say they don't work more than 40 hours a week for both jobs combined so Excellent. you've got a lot of people out there apparently that are in, especially in the tech industry that are yeah yeah i still work for you old employer it's taking the side hustle to a whole new level like yeah, yeah i'll continue to do your work but i'm also going to be working for this employer over here and oh by the way doing a, another side hustle so ee, i think that once business this is just my opinion once businesses start catching on to that people are going to have to start coming back to the office that's that's just my spoiler alert right yeah. i don't know what's your opinion I, here? you know i i do get it to some point but i guess like the other part of it is though is is the employee still giving you what you're expecting of them? Because maybe, let's be maybe honest, not. Some people working from home can do as much in 20 hours as they did in a 40 hour. Okay, well, or, then you should be paid for 20 hours. Well, That's going to be the business's angle. If it's only 20 hours worth of work that, that is required of the role, so. 
then we're going to pay you 20 hours. And, and then that would be fair then. I, you know, how, why are you paying somebody 40 hours anyway? I don't mean to get into that, but, right, right. but it's a really interesting trend, I think. That, that, that It's the first time well, I've it's, heard it's of that. It's that whole gigification thing, which has yes. been a trend for a yes. while. Anyway, you know, yes, this yes, idea yes. of people saying like, look, there's no such thing as a full-time job that I want to work anymore. Right. I want to work various part-time jobs, if you yes. will. Yeah. But yes, right now, there might be someone who's kind of pulling a wool over some employers' But we're eyes. also starting to see that a little bit, right? Like these tech giants, people that, okay, so we're all working, we're digital nomads now, and we're working remotely. You are starting to see headlines in the newspaper where, oh, well, this worker was in San Francisco, so we were paying them a wage to live in San Francisco, but they've moved to wherever Montana. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the living wage there is much less. Uh, str- you know, they don't need to make as much money. So some of the tech companies are saying, okay, you, you can move there. We're going to whack your pay because you don't need to make as much out there. That's just one little instance. So now yeah, that yeah. they start catching on, oh, well, you actually only logged on for 20 hours out of your 40-hour work, work, work week and you're in Montana. I mean, come on now. Yeah. You can't have everything. <laughs> I, still I can think, just see where this is going. I do too. I still think that this whole pandemic has is kicked off what's going to be an interesting work revolution. Yes. I think we're not close to being done with all the ramifications to come out of this. I would agree with that. And I think ideally, hopefully what happens is it's putting power back into the employer, employees mm-hmm. and workers' hands. Could, yeah. They can, you know, there's more. There's going to have to be a balance. And I think if nothing else, because, you know, as we're starting to see, you know, jobs coming back again, but you're also starting to hear about a lot of companies that are struggling to fill positions that people sure. realized in this time away and sure. doing other stuff, realize like, hey, you know what? I don't need to work for this company anymore. Yeah, but you know, where it's, you know when it's so going to start tipping me. the other way is when employment is full again. And, and there's true. not such a, a an urgent demand or the scarcity on the right. employer's That's side. True. When there's too many workers, then it's going to start whoop. But hope, maybe in the meantime, anyway, people get to, you know, so load up change, your side hustle. Cha- yeah, change the game <laughs> a little bit for ourselves. So. What's tech connecting with you, John? Uh, so <laughs> speaking of, you know, work from home... Uh, <laughs> Let's say uh, maybe everybody's had this work from and Andy was just talking about it before we got on yeah. here that yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he kind of shares his space. Yep. A lot of us have had we that issue. We all share space. Yep. Maybe you've mm-hmm. got kids at home. Maybe you're, you're, wherever you're working, your home, apartment, whatever, didn't have the space that you really needed for this. It's not as quiet as you would like to be. How would you like an autonomous work pod? Whoa. So I'm there, intrigued right off the bat. There is a company. They're called Autonomous.ai. They do a lot of, like, they've traditionally done a lot of, like, work-from-home stuff. I don't know if they just ramped up over the last year or if they were already doing this, but they did a lot of stuff, like, with, you know, designer desks and chairs okay. to make the work-from-home experience good. I okay. get the feel, this is a California company, and I get the feeling it's it's got it's it. directed towards, like, the gig economy type workers okay. and tech okay. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this, uh, a few months ago, actually, James Cordy turned me on to this and sent me the link to this originally, and I will put it in the show notes. They designed a pod. It's $22,800. Oh, my god! And they basically build i will show you the, the video here as <laughs> oh it's, it's running. outside okay yeah, you basically it's like a she shed yeah. or, a, or a man cave there you go there it is you're building like a little workspace <laughs> outside in your yard got it that's they deck it out with a desk you know a uh, a chair some storage cabinets. lots of windows got, that was kind of cool some windows it yeah. does have its own uh, you know heating and air conditioning system okay. in it so you can work out there but basically the idea is to work independently outside 
in your own space. 22 grand though? 22 grand. Marco, what can we build a shed for? I think we can do it for a lot less than, than 22 grand. Throw an air conditioning unit in it. Yeah. Cut out some holes with a jigsaw. Well, and that, and, and also like, I kind of got the impression like it's got AC, but it also like, it didn't sound like it talked as much about the heat part of it. So I get the impression mm. this is again for like yeah, California. California living. Very like, you know, temperate climates or whatever where you're not I like dealing it. with harsh winters. I like I it. I love it. I think it's cool. I wouldn't have room for it in my yard necessarily. I think they're going like, to be very successful. If they come out with like a $5,000 version, I they're going to sell those yeah, like hotcakes. I could cakes. see a way you could scale this and yeah. you know, have some smaller level versions, yeah. you know, maybe even higher higher level versions. Yeah, because but, think about it. If you want to add space, okay, we're all going to be working from home it's just, to some degree. Are you going to do an addition onto your house? Right, That's 20, right. 30, 40, 50 grand. No, if I could throw 10 grand at a yeah. really nice shed. Yeah. For lack of a better term, what do they call it? A pod? A uh, work pod. Work, I'm yeah. sorry, a work pod. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in on the work pod. There yeah, there you go. All right. Nice. Uh, hey, Andy Shirts, thank you so much for joining us Thanks, today. Andy. We appreciate having you on the show. Uh, it is unfortunately time for us to unplug. So until next time, uh, get a little color in your life, okay? Yeah, there you go. And uh, stay connected. When it comes to completing customer transactions and keeping lines moving, merchants feel the need for speed. As the fastest receipt printer in the industry, Epson's new OmniLink TM T887 delivers. With lightning fast print, speeds up to 500 millimeters per second, the T887 helps merchants deliver the best customer experience in virtually every environment, especially high volume ones like hospitality, retail, grocery, banking, and more. Dynamically share with PCPOS terminals, mobile devices, and cloud servers at the same time. And with built-in Ethernet and USB, along with options including serial, parallel, powered USB, and Wi-Fi, it has the flexibility to connect to almost any system. You can also print from web-based applications using Epson's EPOS print technology or utilize server direct print technology for online ordering. To learn more, check out the link in the show notes or contact your Blue Star Epson representative.